Building Years Podcast with Justin Alexio and Jeremiah Watkins. New episodes every Wednesday. Welcome to the show. What's going on, Building Years? This is Jeremiah Watkins. This is Justin Alexio. It's Friday. Yeah, we got another guest in the house. This week, comedian, writer, actor, and just good round, good all around, nice guy. <laughs> Get Chris, through it. Get through it. <laughs> Chris Alvarado, everybody. Hey, everybody. I'm just a good round guy. <laughs> <laughs> what a great credit. He is a good round guy. All round. <laughs> all round guy. <laughs> do you ever, do you have a one friend at least who sings your last name like the Eldorado, Eldorado uh, theme song? No. Alvarado. The no, El- no. Elton John song? Never. Do it again? <laughs> Alvarado. No. Can well, you be that y- friend? Yeah, I will be that friend. <laughs> yes. Wow. I will make that happen. Have you ever seen the, 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 the animated Disney movie, The Road to El Dorado? No. You know a lot about this word, though, man. <laughs> whenever whenever uh, uh, your last name uh, came into conversation uh, with Justin and I, I, that's like the first thing. Maybe I'm just a musical guy. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But that was the first thing I thought of. I was like, Chris Alvarado. <laughs> it's like, okay, cool. Man, no. The only thing I associate my name with is avocado. Avocado. Okay. But if you fucking say that to me, I'll rip your face off. You know what I mean? Yeah, did you hear that like, throughout yeah, nah, that, that And I'm kidding about that. That was the one thing they could say about me. Or that I was poor and that my parents were drug addicts. But like with my name, it was just avocado. So it wasn't that bad. Chris Avocado. Chris Avocado. <laughs> oh, my God. That. What, uh, where are you originally from? Chris? I'm from a city called Downey, California, mm-hmm. which is 16 miles south of Hollywood. Okay. Which is weird because that means I grew up in Los Angeles County. I grew up in L.A. Yeah. But I never stepped foot in like Hollywood. Like I spent all my time in Downey, Linwood, Norwalk, Long Beach, kind of bad neighborhoods. I grew up in a bad area. Okay. Um, so when people ask me if I'm from LA, I say yes, but I never really spent time in the LA they're thinking of. I spent time in the LA. Yeah, most people whenever, I feel like a lot of people, whenever you say LA, they really think of Hollywood. Like that's right. the first thing. Oh, you live in LA? Mm-hmm. Like there's parts of LA that are really different <laughs> from sure. like, you know, the Hollywood sign. That's and right. The Walk of Fame and all that stuff. So. That's right. Yeah, we're in, in Downey, I don't think there's any, there's, there's no juice, there's no pressed juice shops. <laughs> there's no, uh, yeah. probably not much yoga going on. It's probably way more, uh, uh, what I'm used to, like kind of more Midwestern, where is there like Applebee's and stuff around there? Yeah, I mean, because yeah, it's a little more suburban, yeah, slash, uh, but sub and then kind of leaning more into the urban, though. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> emphasis on that's urban, right, but everybody. so, but that does mean the, the the big chain restaurants, though, that's where people go out to eat, yeah, to, yeah, to those places. It's sad. Oh boy! And then didn't didn't you go to school with uh, Joe Herrera or mm-hmm. something like that? Yeah. yeah, a bunch of us went to this crummy, crummy junior college called Cerrito College, uh, Cerritos College. Joe Herrera, Ernie Macias, Gilbert Martinez—these are all people in the scene. Uh, the twins, the Lopez twins, Tony Bartoloni. A lot of us. It's just a place. Yeah. Where scumbags end up and if you're funny enough you just keep doing improv there and then that's yeah so i spent a lot of time with joe there so you guys like had an improv group and all that stuff we did yeah the gyps the generic improvisational peep show (laughs) and we ended every every scene with a horn honk uh 
And you know, it was actually Joe Herrera who told me about iOS, and I was like, Nah, I'm not, I don't, I'm not into that. <laughs> this horn thing's working out. This I is don't a, think we need iOS. Yeah, yeah. But then from there, I moved to Chicago. So I never even set foot in IO, Second City, LA. None of this. I went straight to Chicago from Downey, essentially. Oh wow. What yeah. was that transition like, living in California your whole life and then moving to somewhere like Chicago? It was wild and incredible. It was wild in that, like, I had never lived on my own. Mm-hmm. I went there without knowing a single person. Um, I just want, I knew I wanted to train Second City, Chicago. But where it was terrific, and this is where everyone rolls their eyes, is, like, I was the guy from L.A., so, like, my teeth yeah. were whiter, my hair was cooler, I dressed better, I got all the girls. I was, like, I was fucking Fonzie, you know what I mean? <laughs> and it was incredible. It was incredible. Yeah, because like, you're in, you know, your mid-20s or whatever. Oh, exactly, exactly. And there's all these, you know, improvisers aren't known for dressing so well as it is, but especially in the Middle West, you know what I mean? Like, they're just schlubby, and then I come in, like... Oh, my fitted jeans yeah. and like my hair that I cut in the shower that day, you know? You're two or three years ahead of the, <laughs> the fashion that's trend. That's exactly like, right. Who is this guy? That's exactly right. <laughs> and I mean, it's a, I banked on that for a very long time. You know what I mean? There's, there was no substance to me or anything. <laughs> Just I would say, I would always ask them first, like, where are you from? And they'd always be from Michigan. You know, I'm from Michigan. Cool, cool. And they go, where are you from? I'm like, I don't know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> no, where are you from? Look at them in the eye. L.A. <laughs> Boom, you're in, you're in. <laughs> Again, that sounds awful now because I'm much older and smarter. But back then, it was uh, the thing to do. Sometimes it's crazy that that's a credit. It's just being from, like, whenever you do comedy, especially outside of Los Angeles and you go to smaller towns or whatever, this next guy, he's from LA. Oh, yeah. Okay, he must have rubbed elbows with <laughs> That's some right. famous people. That's right. That's cool. And it's funny that he's probably from Downey. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so, how long were you in Chicago? For? I was there for three years. Mm-hmm. I was there for three years. And, and then, then, did you do uh, like, uh, did you work like, did you go through like the whole program and do like ETC or or uh, touring or main or any of that stuff? Well, first of all, the goal was. I go to Chicago, I go to the training center at Second City, yeah. I get on the main stage, and then I'll be at SNL in a couple of years. Yeah. That was like, I had no doubt. Of course. Right. So then I get to Chicago, and uh, <laughs> my short form training isn't really up to par, <laughs> or actually, that's all that is up to par. And um, so, I, so I ended up going through the training center, uh, through the conservatory in Chicago, and then auditioned a couple times for the touring company. And I got a callback once, which was a really big deal back then. Oh, yeah. But nothing happened. But, like, people in my callback were great, great people who went on to do and are still doing great things. But nothing for me happened. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I started drinking more and questioning everything. Like, wait, 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 wait. The, I was supposed to get Turco, then ETC, the main stage, then SNL. This doesn't... Right. And that was... Uh, interesting part of my life yeah so what was that is that something that motivated you to move back to los angeles was that 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 set uh kind of path in your brain wasn't going exactly how you expected it to i mean yes but more importantly i was just like hurting myself like i was drinking heavily Mm -hmm. i was just partying a bunch and it was time to come home i crawled home yeah you know it wasn't like i was like well that path didn't work out i'm now gonna go back home. no like i was like dead i was just drinking so much right. that i just like fell 
in the airport onto the plane yeah. and into my dad's one bedroom apartment in Downey. And it sounds like girls were taking advantage of you I all mean, the time. I mean, that's what was happening, man. <laughs> um, so it was a wake up call, though. Mm-hmm. And speaking of waking up, like waking up in your dad's one bedroom apartment two months after you've gotten back from Chicago, still not wondering, still wondering what, like, wait, wait, like I don't know what the plan is now. Yeah. yeah. And that was scary. Sure. That was scary. So what happened next? Yeah, what was the turning point? Yeah, well, because of Joe Herrera, I decided to take a class over at iOS, mm-hmm. start doing shows there. Um, I started dating this girl, this lovely girl named Lauren Lapkus, long distance, for two and a half years. How, how, did, how did you make that work? That's crazy. Well, it's so funny. In Chicago, she was always... She's always been really funny and really good, but she's also very young. I mean, she was like 19 then, and I was like, like she couldn't even go into the bars, you know what I mean? So I never really tried to do anything to her in Chicago. That sounds bad, doing anything to her. <laughs> Nothing really happened with us, but when I left Chicago for, to come home, we were just talking on MySpace a lot and stuff, and uh, she invited me to do a show in San Francisco at the San Francisco Improv Festival. And leading up to that show, we were talking a lot, and we started calling each other and just... I kind of cleaned my act up a little bit. I wasn't drinking anymore and stuff and just trying to figure out what I was doing. And we were just friends, and it was cool. And then these phone calls turned into this this knowing that we were going to meet in San Francisco and we were going to make this happen. So we were in San Francisco. We're like, do you want to do this? Let's do this. From that point on, we're two and a half years long distance. She goes back to Chicago. I go back to L.A. Then she goes to New York for a year. And then I did a second city boat for eight months in Hawaii and then it was just nuts. It was yeah. nuts. And then uh, she went back to Chicago. I met her there, and we drove, packed up her Jeep and drove to our first apartment in North Hollywood. Um, wow. But, true love. Wow. Yeah. yeah so it, how long in total have you guys been together now? Seven years Congrats dating. On that. That's We've great, man. We've been married for four months, four or five oh, months. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Yeah. So it's, it is great. It's great. She's the best. But speaking of like <laughs> of like... Planned. The plan was she was going to come to L.A. I was going to be famous. Mm-hmm. And, like, I was going to show her the ropes and help her out and stuff. So, like, when she first came, I got her I got her, her first commercial agent. And she had her first audition. I was like, oh, cool. Like, yeah, congratulations. And, like, her first, like, call back. I'm like, babe, you're doing a good job. This is good. Then, like, she books it. I'm like, hey, look at that. You know, beginner's <laughs> luck. And she books another one. It's like, oh, that's cool. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't booked one in a minute. <laughs> and then, like, then she left my agency, went to a bigger agency. I was like, that's a weird move. And then <laughs> kept booking. Then, like, then like auditioned for this pilot. And the guy, that got picked up. And, the, and just, like, obviously, if anybody knows who she is, she's doing super wonderfully well. Yeah. But I was... Back here going like, wait for me. <laughs> and I'm still just like sprinting behind her as we speak. But at least I can see her now. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. That was a wild, a wild ride. And really exciting too, though, to be with her for every single one of those steps. You know? Oh, of course. It was incredible. And she's a badass. And she yeah. deserves it, you know? So, but it was just wild. So when uh, uh, when when things like whenever you get close to booking something and like she gets close to booking something, are you guys good at being able to kind of comfort each other with that? Because that's got to be kind of nice having somebody that's in the same field as you whenever you get close to things and maybe it doesn't work out because uh, certain, you know, relationships 
maybe only one of them is the actor in the relationship, and the other person's like, yeah, you'll, yeah. You know what I mean? They don't. Yes. They have no context for it, so they're right. like, "You'll get one eventually," but you know, it's just like empty words. Sure, uh, that has to be nice. That in is a nice, right? That is nice. But you, but being a piece of shit, you can always find a reason why you don't connect. Like you know, yeah. like like yes, we can comfort each other. We know what an audition is like. We know what getting close is like and not getting it. But then also, I. Earlier on, like not not so much anymore, but I would be like, well, you don't know this step of the process. Mm-hmm. You skipped a whole step. You're not right. doing postcard mailings. You know what I mean? You're not. Justin and I have done those before. Oh, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Like those are things that she didn't do. Yeah. Uh, Skyrocket. So sometimes I felt, so, like, like I said earlier on, some disconnect of like, well, you don't actually know how it feels. Gotcha. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But totally. that's just being, like I said, like being a piece of shit. Ultimately, it's wonderful. And. I'm her biggest fan, always have been since I yeah. saw her in Chicago. She's always rocked. So it's not like I don't think she deserves it. You know what I mean? Like it's right, like it's an easy sell. It's, yeah, basically. absolutely. It's like it's so fun to be cheering for her, be on her side. And also all I want for her to be is happy forever for the rest of her life. Forever. You totally. know what I mean? So I'm waving my hands, people can't see that. <laughs> um, they can feel it. Yeah, that's right. So it's easy to be happy for her, but it is weird sometimes for me. I guess sometimes sure. I wonder if she gets it, mm-hmm. you know, fully. Yeah. Well, we were checking out your uh, your IMDb. Hey, uh, yeah. Before I got here, uh, you done some stuff on uh, Jimmy Kimmel. Uh-huh. Uh huh. What uh, what was that experience like? That was cool, man. Um, I liked them over there. They would they used to bring me on to do a lot of like standing stuff, mm-hmm. but that's not where you just stand where an actor will be and they'll light you. That's like you get to run the bits with Jimmy, run them with the writers and stuff. That's very cool. So they would That's bring a big difference from huge any difference. other And you know, it's funny. You still call it standing work, but a lot of people didn't understand that's what I was doing. So they'd call me in a couple times a week and like, sure. all right, we need you to do this Chris Elliott bit. We need you to do this Adam Levine bit. Like, and I would run the whole thing. Yeah. So was like, you get to like act and stuff, which is cool. Mm-hmm. And then because I was doing that, I got to know some of the writers and directors there. Sure. And so and every now and then they'd throw me in a bit. Yeah, it's you almost know? like a, a great way to showcase yourself. It's like, hey, I'm, I'm doing... Absolutely. I, I'm like right here on the bench. I'm ready to go in, coach. Absolutely. Like, look, look what I can do. And next time you need me, I'm right here. That's it. Um... And back to actually Lauren, Lauren had a huge, I mean, Lauren's life kind of changed because of that show. When Lauren was here, when she was here, she's still here. When Lauren was first doing her stuff, she auditioned for a a bit on Jimmy Kimmel Live that she booked. And it was a six minute long bit with Ryan Reynolds. Oh, wow. It was just her and Ryan Reynolds going back and forth. And it became like this calling card of hers, like... I mean, she, that's a long bit. Usually it's like oh, a yeah, two-minute yeah. thing, in and out. It's like she did this whole thing, and that was really incredible. So it was fun to be around those people, too. They knew Lauren. They knew me. It was just nice to be in that, in that same area. And it's cool because it's, it's, it feels almost like theater. It feels like performance there because you have a big audience. And, you yeah. know, it's, just, it's nice. They're great to me over there. Mm-hmm. So you ever <clears throat> done a bit for them that's gotten cut? Because I, if I booked Jimmy Kimmel, I'd feel like I'd be like, I'm in it, but it could get cut. I don't know. Yes, that's happened. Also, like they call you, they go, "Can you come here right now?" And you're like, "Absolutely." Then you're on the freeway and you're driving there, and they go, "Never mind, we don't need you anymore." Like oh, that happens a lot. That happens wow. a lot <laughs> because like the writers are pitching bits around, pitching ideas. Like, all right, you know what? We think we'll do that, and then they decide not to go with it because they're going to do something else, or a celebrity doesn't want to do the bit after all. Yeah. So that's that's happened. 
and that's a bummer. I I, I worked background on the show uh, fairly recently, like a month or two ago, and I was excited, but like I've been around enough where I'm like, I'm not going to post anything on Facebook because I might get cut. I absolutely got cut, so I was like, yes, glad I didn't post anything about that. Oh, yes. <laughs> and yes. Mine, the background work was just like, they're like, you're going to be like a featured Exp- like exp- facial exp- uh-huh. reaction yeah. to Guillermo walking around in short shorts, basically. And uh, the crew was like laughing and stuff. Me and this other guy, they were like, oh, yeah, you guys are funny. Like, well, yeah, we're definitely using that. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> like the back of my leg, like my calves were used at this pool scene. And I was like, those are my calves. But yeah. all right, next time. <laughs> I know. I think that's what comes with this, with the maturity is like knowing to just shut up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, don't believe it until you actually see it. Yeah. Yeah, too many of those, too many of those letdowns, and I think you start learning that lesson. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you've done a lot of improv. Have you ever tried stand up or wanted to ha- have any like any kind of desire to try stand up? You know, I just tried it for the first time this year, a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bartended at the Westside Comedy Theater in Santa Monica, and oh, so cool. they, they have a pretty good open mic system yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, I sometimes I bartend on those nights, and one night I decided I was going to tell one joke. And so I, t- I know all the guys who run in. I'm like, hey, I want to go up. You want to go up? But I'm like, this is my first time. First of all, I'm 35 years old. I'm pretty confident. I'm married, right? But I'm like, this is my first time. And I'm like, so just I'm just gonna do one joke. And uh, they said okay. And I was serving drinks prior to them calling my name. And I was fucking. Mo- what's uh, what's what's the most scared you can be? I, mean, I was just so scared. Yeah. And I went up there and I did my bit. A buddy of mine recorded. I did one joke, <laughs> which I thought was going to go five minutes. You know what I mean? And it was like a minute, 30 seconds. And then I just said, thank you. This is my first time doing this. Thank you very much. And then put the microphone down. <laughs> um, I'll tell you what. And I've done it a couple times since then. I enjoy it. It feels like a cool tool for me. It's something that I have to overcome. But it's certainly not my voice. It's not like what I... I don't feel like a call to that stage. Right. I feel like I don't know enough or have strong enough opinions about things to even go up there, really. Sure. Um, so I'm glad I know that. I'm glad I know that now. It's taken me all these years. Well, yeah, because sometimes with, with certain things, even with like playing instruments or whatever, you're like, what is that like? I right. just want to know like what that experience is like. Even if like it's not going to be my thing, I just wanted to try it out. And just the the not knowing is what's what's like will eat at you. Absolutely. And it's really – that's a nice thing you said that. Just like – just – to be at an age where it's okay to try things out. Yeah. For years, I've been not wanting to do, do things unless I knew I was going to be the best at it or thought I could be the best at it, you know? Yeah. And I'm at a point now where I just want to experience things, and it's nice. Yeah. And, and to feel that fear again was nice because I, I've I've I go on stage a lot. I do a lot of shows, but to feel the fear... Of yeah. the stand up, not was, knowing that's a beautiful thing. I couldn't believe that when they wouldn't laugh sometimes. I, I'm like, I don't, <laughs> it doesn't register to me. Like, but guys, I just made a funny point. No, all right, this is not for me. <laughs> so, is, do you like sketch or improv? Would you say more? Is it kind of equal? No, improv, improv, definitely improv 90%. Yeah, I think most sketch I see is garbage and. <laughs> And I, the, the last thing I want to do is go see your sketch show, you know, person who's sending me the thing. Like, well, it, what's funny to me about like like improv and sketch, like, okay, if you go to see a friend's improv show and it's bad, and you're like, you're like, ah, they they were making it up. It, they, they had an off night. If you go to see a, a friend's sketch show and it's bad, you're like. 
they've been working on this for weeks and they put in time to this bad show. Same with stand up though. The exact same yeah. thing. You go yep. see a friend's stand up show, you're like, How long have they been running these bits? Like <laughs> and it's side. just bad. <laughs> I'm saying that's why I think that's why I am in my opinion, most sketch is garbage. And like I was a part of some sketch groups that were just did garbage all the time. And I'll tell you what though, I couldn't think of anything better. So I just stepped to the side. Because <laughs> for a long time, I was like, well, if we did it my way, if we did it my way, it'd be better. And then, like, I tried yeah. to do my stuff on my own. Also wasn't good. So then I just stepped to the side. <laughs> like, at least I recognize, right? There's something in that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, there's nothing more painful to me than to watch your shitty premise, <laughs> wearing, like, kind of Explored a blazer. minutes. Yeah. And it's like you're wearing Converse, but you think you're trying to be the president. It's like, I don't give a fuck <laughs> about what you're saying or you. <laughs> Dude, knock it off. <laughs> knock it off. Get off this thing. Uh, you're also, uh, you're into hip-hop culture, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, I love hip-hop. Yeah, you, you, uh, you're good at graffiti artists, right? Yeah, I mean, I, went, I, I like to tag. I'd say, you know, I, I take graffiti artists to the level of tagging, so go one step down <laughs> and just put my name up when, when I feel like, like it. How do you pick that up? Did you pick that up in Downey? I did, yeah. I mean, I was a breakdancer for a lot of years, and so I was part of a dance crew, it was all hip hop stuff. So you all you try to practice all the elements: MCing, DJing. Let's talk about that. That's graffiti. pretty. That's pretty interesting. Now, how were you the white guy of the group, or were there a bunch of white people and black and Asian? Or no, like it was what, mainly Mexican dudes, Hispanic guys mm-hmm. in my city. Okay, um, at a smaller level. So that was just like breakdancing in garages and stuff in Downey. And then like I joined this crew. So then we go to <laughs> other places and battle other crews. We were play school. The SoCal chapter of Play School. and uh, I can't believe we almost skipped over this. Keep going. <laughs> this is amazing. And then that begat bigger parties. And, and I started naming my styles. Like, I was always been into fashion, too. I don't know if it's fashion. But I've been into just, like, I don't know, clothing and aesthetics and stuff like that. So, so like, it went from, like, breakdancing in garages to, like, going to big raves and still breakdancing to then graduating from, like, the Candy Kid style of raver to, like, I was a junglist. <laughs> I only listened to drum and bass. If I saw you walking to the mall with big pants, I would go up to you and I would I'd battle you right there. And I'd say, if I win, you can never wear those clothes here ever again. <laughs> and I would always win. You know what I mean? Like, and, like, I was a dick about it. That's so fun. What started off as such a sweet, nice thing. I was I was like an evil guy towards the end, but um, <laughs> destroying people. Yeah, exactly. That was just, that was my that was I, that's it. Just, just destroying them. Um, like you don't even know the skills that are underneath these tailored pants that's and great right. shirt. <laughs> Play school. Uh, so I did it. So my point is, I guess just hip hop has always been a part of my life, and I feel like I can I respond to a lot of that music and to the words that are being said there more than. I don't know, Metallica or something. I don't know. It's just, I'm, I'm from a bad neighborhood. Yeah. My, my friends were in gangs. It. Like, it's weird, though. It's weird because I, I keep saying this. I'm 35 now, and you, I got to ask yourself, like, when is that going to stop? Because <laughs> yeah. I feel like at any moment, if something went horribly wrong in my life, I could just be like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to join a fucking gang tomorrow, man. You know what I mean? I'm <laughs> done with all this acting bullshit, dude. Put on my Cortez, man. Head down to Long Beach and just get nuts. <laughs> But I won't because I have a wife and I love her and we're building a relationship and a family together. <laughs> Perfect. This is the building years podcast. 
Uh, so you mentioned that you did like a Second City boat uh, earlier, and you'd done um, different uh, improv in Chicago. Do you feel like that gave you uh, a leg up whenever you came back after you had done some of that experience, like as far as as acting and and whenever you were auditioning, starting to audition in LA? You know what's interesting is I felt like my improv was really strong. Mm -hmm. I have a buddy, Mike McClendon, who's done a couple of boats himself. And we talk about this. People who come off of boats and do shows immediately, they're they're really, really strong because of those reps that they're getting yeah. on the boats. You're doing 15 shows a week, whatever. That's a bunch. So there is a confidence in that. But I'll tell you, man, there I have had no confidence in the television, film, auditioning world until just like three months ago mm -hmm. like none of my prior training seemed to lend Translate. itself to bookings you know I, I did all the steps that my friends were doing yeah but they were booking and i wasn't and that felt crazy i mean of course it felt nuts well if you if you end up having like the same schooling or experience and then you're seeing friends book things you're like well what am i doing that's different yeah, of course because i see it all the time like within uh, the stand-up community and stuff i've got some buddies uh, and they're just like booking like crazy. And I'm like, oh, I guess I just haven't figured that part of it out yet, you know? I think you're right. And that's that that ends up becoming the hustle. That's what the struggle is, I guess. I mean, I don't know. Like, Lauren got to skip this part. And I, probably because she's always known what she's wanted and who she is. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe when I used to walk into a room and audition... There's something maybe off about me. I mean, like, maybe they can see the play school years on my eyes and the Did downy. This guy used to be in a dance crew. That's right. That's right. I Is don't he know. From downy? And you know, you know, I think a big lesson, I think I always used to try to get it right in the audition room. I always used to try to show them that I knew what they wanted to see. Yeah. And that's not what I do today. And it's much more beneficial. I mean, it's so dumb to say and so cliche and like boring but like really just doing you is the best yeah. way to yeah, go put it, putting your spin on it because they want at the end of the day i think that they want your take on it over you know it says in the scene directions or whatever kind of uh, generally what you're looking for but they want to see your specific take on the character and how you're sure, going to do stuff but then if you're like me i got into problems with that too it was like well what is my take who right, am i right what's my voice <laughs> what am i trying to say what's my brand you know what i mean like yeah yeah you yeah. start losing your mind because like yeah, you can over. It's so easy to overthink Absolutely. auditions. It's that's the the easiest fault to go into an audition is is overthinking it and then like making it a bigger deal than it should be. That's and right. then you're inside your head, and then rather than being like connected in the room, then you're just out of it, and you're like, oh, bye, oh, no callback, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, back and there's to such the a big board. difference that feeling when you're connected connected to the reader mm -hmm. versus not. Like, yeah, even if you don't book that role. It's a win for you, you know, that feeling yeah. like you go like, yeah, I did, did a, good. I did a great job yeah. as opposed to like, I just took a shit in that room. <laughs> you know, and that happened to me recently. I had a big audition for a big cast director that I don't get to see often. I didn't prepare enough for other reasons. And boy, it felt awful. You know, I don't yeah. mind not booking if I feel like I'm doing a good job, but I don't know. So I have to prepare. I have to work on my stuff. Yeah. I mean, really, I feel like the only way I can get anything done or succeed at all is if I, like, don't drink as much and don't do crazy stuff and just really focus on my craft and get healthy. Like, it's like the universe doesn't want me to do, to get anything to, to move up unless I'm, like, 100% perfectly where I need to be. Yeah. And I don't know. That's just the way it's going for me. I wish it could be the other way around. I wish I could, like, smoke weed, drink <laughs> beers, and book. Do you know what I mean? And then I'd yeah. be fine. But instead, for some reason... I have to go this way. 
But, you know, man, this is the long game for for all of us. And it's one of those things where once you stick, you'll you'll be set. And it'll be even a greater feeling than than some of the friends who that we see over the years who they book stuff sometimes a little bit too early and mm-hmm. then they party out and they phase out and then they don't have careers. Of course. And we're gonna have careers. Careers, <laughs> that's right. Uh boom. Yeah. You know, just one th- more thing about that. I think it's nice to be creating the whole time then. Yeah. So you're not basing your happiness on the bookings, mm-hmm. you're doing your own stuff, be it writing, shooting, podcast. Absolutely. That's satisfying to you. So the, the auditions are just whatever, you know, like hopefully you book one of those. But if not, you're not basically. Yeah, you got other goodness. things. Yeah. Icing on the cake. Yeah. What's up? Said it's icing on the cake. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Because you're already satisfied and you feel good with who you are. That's, mm-hmm. that's the place to be. Now, um, we want to do our last segment of the show. Uh, hopefully, uh, you've had time to maybe think of uh, one story. But it's time for the Hollywood bitch slap. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> We're working on the, the Foley yeah. department. For, <laughs> for well, your whole team back there did a great job with that. <laughs> Good job, boys. Oh, they're waving. <laughs> And this, uh, for our listeners uh, who uh, don't remember, this part of the show, we ask um, uh, our uh, our interviewee to basically describe a story of a time where it's really difficult when whatever field that they're in. Um, so for for Chris, it'd be uh, acting or improv. It could be a bad show, it could be a really bad audition, or it could be a, a time like a month where it's just almost impossible to pay rent and like what you had to do to uh, to get by. It could be really a number of things. I kind of want to give two f- f- points in my life. Mm-hmm. The point that I mentioned earlier in Chicago when I didn't get Tour Co. And I was eating like a hot pocket a day, like literally. <laughs> uh, I used to smoke, so cigarettes. So I would always choose smoking over eating. And like I was drinking heavily, smoking a bunch, and like no direction and no fucking hope. Like, <laughs> it sounds very, and then it's winter. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, and yeah. you're alone. It, it, it definitely heightens things. Uh, Heightens depression. Just it's being so dark and cold, especially. Yeah, I yeah. know. I know. It's, there was there was there was just such big hopes that something was going to happen for me, and when it didn't, I got to say that was really tough. I mean, obviously, I think we all had this. That isn't like a very like specific to me story, but like those, there were some months where I just didn't know what anything was anymore, which is uh, sounds really scary to say, but I don't know. I don't know. It was really hard. But then I also want to say, even more recently, a time where you think you have it figured out, you're doing better. You know, like a couple of years ago, I'm with Lauren. She's doing well. And then, and then questioning, like, who I am, looking in the mirror, being like, should I shave? Should I not shave? Should I shave my head? Should I dye my hair? Who am I? Like, really losing my mind in the mirror, trying to figure out who I am that I could show so that I could show the people what this product was before them. Yeah. was a maddening time in my life. Like, asking myself all the wrong questions for all the wrong reasons, you know? Um, so I wish I had like, a story about a guy who was mean to me at an audition. But there was th- those two time periods of my life were really tough because I didn't see the answers. I didn't see the way out. Right. It's more scary just being unsure about everything. Yeah. I mean, yeah. My nightmare is like, I picture there's some guy right now 
who lives in a studio in North Hollywood who doesn't know anybody. And it's like 110 degrees right now. He has like a part-time job. He's trying to write, doesn't mm-hmm. have an agent. Like that's hell to me, you know? Yeah. Like I'm so happy and thankful to be where I am today, to have learned all these lessons and like just be at a place where I think I'm able to contend in this industry. But like then back there, I know it's a growing situation and it's like I'm thankful for those times, but that's hell <laughs> to me. Yeah. yeah. Don't want to go back. There. No. With just not knowing. I don't know. Just not knowing. Again, I wish I was more. But now you know your path. Now you're. I think I do. And I'm sure it'll change in two years. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I mean, but at least I'm using my specifics now and my voice, which I've come to learn and find out what that is. Uh, and, it, and, and it is being from Downey and it is, being, it is having right. hip hop in my blood and it is having gone to Chicago and it is having toured and it is being married and being in love and all those things. It's really nice. They start to make up a person. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you're like, wait, yeah. there's depth to me. Yeah. I have opinions. You have an identity. Yeah, an identity. And yeah. now I can brand that motherfucker yeah. and sell it to and the people. <laughs> Make some money. We're going to package that. <laughs> the Chris Alvarado show. Alvarado. <laughs> I've never heard that song. I don't wow. know. That song. And we are back yeah. to full circle. Yeah. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, do you have anything that you want to plug upcoming shows or your Twitter um, or Facebook where people can, can reach out to your website? Sure, yeah. Yeah, it comes know, out on Friday, by the way, so anything like the following week. Okay, well, I mean, I have two weekly shows. Wednesday nights at I.O., I'm on a team called Hey Day, which is an incredible team. We just won the Dell Close Best Herald Team Award, so that's Wednesdays. Congratulations at, on thank that. Thank you, yeah. Great. Wednesdays at 9.30 at I.O., and then every Friday night at 9 p.m. at Second City, Undateable. It's a script show uh, based on some OkCupid profiles that we put out there, and uh, we show the world what the world says to our crazy characters so yeah so wednesdays at io fridays at second city uh thanks for having me guys great check it out guys uh yeah thanks so much for coming by buddy thanks chris